Welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast, where we explore the detail of what it really takes to achieve great success in the business of property developments and investments. Now let's get into this week's episode. Okay, so uh, your why. What is your why? I mean, for Nigel and I, uh, our family comes first. Our family is is everything. And uh, one piece of um, of advice we'd give that's made a tremendous difference for, for us. And when we left corporate life, it was very clear, you know, we wanted to involve the family. Um, we got the youngsters here on, on go-karts. Um, that's where all the Formula One drivers started. Um, that's where you make your mistakes in a, you know, a safer environment. But it's as we're growing a, a, a legacy, and we can talk about that a, a little bit later um, Nigel, it's not just the legacy, is it? You know, we take a lot of pride and passion in the custodianship of that legacy. You know, the inclusion of of family members—it's it, massive for us. Absolutely, I think I think we're um, you know we're brought up with um, a methodology of learning, and a, and a, I don't think there's anything wrong with it at, at all. Um, you know, I'm very supportive of it, but but I, I found my my um what what i found with my children um and maybe it's just me but I, this is what i found with my children that it's very difficult um with, with something that's so so important and so multi you know it's going to go through all the various generations you know the asset base and so on and so forth it's it's quite a responsibility i think that that the creators wear um to to educate to educate the next generation in 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 the ability to you know take on which could be something very overwhelming and we've used that that word tonight um to be able to pick it up fully understand it fully understand the wishes and, and move on with it to the next generation and have the same you know same ethics and requirements and you know of that next generation to carry it on so it's it's quite a difficult one and and you know, having gone through that, I found that it's very difficult with children to sit them down with a piece of paper and a pen and and teach them that sort of stuff. Um, uh, you know, by experience, it lasts about a minute, and then it's like, oh, Dad's going on again. <laughs> you know, so but what what I and we have found really effective, Mark, um, is that immersion, that inclusive approach. Um, you know, bringing them in and letting them feel feel the business and feel the property and take them to the sites and you know almost at a kind of a passive level, you know, so slightly arm's length, and and I think the point certainly my my experience the point at which I I realised that it was working was when they started asking questions. Mm. Did you did you find that? Def- definitely. Definitely, and it's um, it's so exhilarating when they actually start engaging. Um, I think my young, well, the youngest of all of our children, um, Emily, was eight when she became a shareholder, and the ideal there was not for Emily to know everything about being a shareholder at the age of eight, but if she can be, if she can know what being a shareholder is and know more about being what a shareholder is when she's eighteen. Um, it'll be a whole lot more than I did when I was 18. And, and so that compounding goes. Those questions start coming. And the kids, they, they forget what you tell them, but they very rarely forget what you show them. 
Yeah, they, they they watch, don't they? Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And that, you know, you know, bringing them in, and you know, I, I mean, you know, most of our children, as you say, are shareholders. You know, a number of them are employed by our businesses as well. And and yes, we do treat them as you know they are employees of the business, but they also know that they're also owners of the business as well. Yeah. And I think they they operate in a very different way. It's not. It definitely isn't a nine to five approach to life. It's it's this is our business. We need to do whatever we need to do. Kind kind of approach. And it, you know, as a father or as fathers, it just makes us feel so so proud. And you know, knowing that you know it it is working. And um, but yeah, for us, the the sitting down on Saturday afternoon with a pen and paper or a blackboard or a, a whiteboard just didn't work at all. That's get, <laughs> got short shrift, didn't it? <laughs> I think once once you've got that um, that passion there, ours is our, our family. I think Michael Schumacher put it brilliantly. Once something is a passion, the motivation is there. Absolutely. And it's back to that point of you know taking that millstone off your shoulders by getting clarity on the right strategy for you, not living your life of fear of missing out and going on all the courses and you know never quite knowing what you're doing. You're trying to do something different every month. It seems setting locking you know that laser guided missile on your target um and and then just the motivation the resource flow just just comes with that yep and that that passion we've mentioned kids being shareholders and you know when they're 16 we've we've employed many of the children as well you know it's a real mindset shift in terms of tax efficiency and turning rather than seeing tax as a as a cost seeing it as an opportunity to embrace. Uh, We use our SAS pension. You know, we've written books on the subject um, and shared very freely um, how we use our SAS pension, which we've had for six or seven years now, um, capital allowances, all these areas. And, you know, it's great to contribute back to society and everybody needs to to pay the right amount of tax. Um, Absolutely. But there's a rule book there. Um, to dictate what you should and shouldn't pay. And we intend to learn everything about that rule book. And mm. um, we contribute back to society. I mean, Cornerstone Place will be creating in excess of 5 million homeless bed nights over the next decade. And that will save about 49 million to the taxpayer every year for those 10 years. So just an incredible legacy there. So contribution back to the community comes in different ways, not just tax. But we must say compliance and governance at every stage. We've both been corporate troubleshooters um, and been through some parachuted into some awful corporate war zones around the world. And if you've ever been in a tax investigation, it is not a pleasant place to be. Um, So, uh, yeah. Just make sure compliance, governance, audit file on everything you're talking about and get great advice and support from your professional team. And that's what we're talking about, an optimised personal economy. That feeling of that weight off your shoulders of knowing you've got a great team and you're optimised and you've stress-tested everything. It sounds complex. It really isn't. you just got to have the business acumen and the tenacity to have great people around you to ask the challenging questions in the good times. 
And that, as we said, that transition from not just growing a legacy, but actually turning into the custodianship, enjoying the baton change. Our baton change has been happening for the last you know, 10 or 15 years with the children, and we sincerely hope it will continue for, for quite a number of decades to come. Really important and enjoying that, seeing them grow. And as that tax efficiency compounds, well, it, it multiple compounds. There's multiple layers of compounding here, and you'll you'll see some of those in a in a short while. Our accountant Chris has a great quote: "You must pay taxes, but there's no law that says you have to leave a tip." Um, and that's uh, that's pretty key. Knowing the rules, knowing what defines uh, who you are, your strategy structure but compliance and audit file as well. Roger, we haven't really said a great deal about us and our background. I mean, we've spent 30 years. We've worked in 30-odd countries, three and a half million square feet of commercial property that we've acquired, developed into highly resilient infrastructure, power stations, data centres. Um, but our passion for many of those years was, was actually in growing businesses from startup phase We've run mergers and acquisitions, transformations, um, we've sold businesses, and we've led businesses from the front, um, teams of hundreds, if not thousands, and been corporate troubleshooters. But the consistent thing along that journey is we've mentored people for, well, since 1998, we've been mentoring teams and, and been non-exec directors for best part of 14 years as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think um, you know going back to as kind of as far as I can remember as well, we we always had a bit of a distrust, probably an inherent distrust actually for the pension process. It was it was a bit weird because we you know the, our, our corporate jobs would pay us handsomely, and you know it will contribute to pension, but it was one of those things that we could never really directly influence. Mark, mm-hmm. you know we. Everything else we could influence in our life, you know, we could guide people, we could grow things, you know, we could put input in and you get a defined output. The pension thing was a bit of an odd one. And, and our relationship with our pension was, it was about this time of year, wasn't it? You know, the, the letterbox would flutter and there'd be a, uh, an envelope would drop on the mat and we'd open it. And it would probably be one of the most un- uninspiring moments of that year. And it would just be a pension statement. Uh, that would go up, down, or sideways, whichever it may be. But there just didn't seem to be the accountability in there either. It did seem that your pot would grow, and then the the people that were managing your pot, they would take their fees off, and what was left, well, fair enough, you know, that sort of attitude. And so we we struggled with that, and, you know, property became our interest all those years ago, and thank goodness it did. And, um, you know, we we've been investors for the last 22 years, haven't we, and... You know, I think, I mean, you know, we're we're probably known quite well for, you know, business support, structuring, you know, just taking people to the next level. And, you know, in some cases we're 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 mentoring uh, people abroad, you know, and and across um multiple continents as well. So it's you know really exciting from that point of view. But we also on the property side, we're probably known for really big developments, aren't we? But but we're where of all of our business contribute back to our personal economy and where Mark and I sit in this is, you know, we, we just love three bedroom houses. <laughs> Don't we? we yeah. just three bedroom houses. And, you know, sometimes they're slightly smaller, sometimes they're slightly bigger, but 
essentially these these are properties you know good quality properties for families um, that generate a good income uh, from a cash flow point of view and and that's what we've we've done for the 22 years that we've we've had alongside our, alongside our corporate stuff um, but um, you know that certainly went to a different level mark didn't it when we when we retired from the corporate world in the Hugely different. And let's have a look at this. We call it our equi-resilient system, uh, ERA, which literally means before this time. So we're planning in advance. Okay, start with the end in mind. Um, So um, we have a number of interests, uh, so multiple books and, of course, the equi-IDA. So we've got intellectual property there. Um, We make strategic investments in businesses, acquire businesses or invest in those businesses, uh, we do a lot of the larger developments that Nigel's just talked about, anything up to sort of 20 million GDV. Uh, and we acquire a lot of commercial units as well, quite a lot of HMOs. But it's the single lets, which are the solid bedrock uh, foundation there. And what they provide in their entirety, uh, we call it deciphers. Um, dividends, equity, cash flow, income, pensions, and, and SaaS contributions, uh, we hedge. You can hedge in cash or other collectible items. We have a passion for collecting watches. Um, earnings, royalties, salary come in different forms. And what is pretty consistent across most of those is the ability to bring leverage to the table. Mm-hmm. Leverage is key. And that's not just leverage as in funds, financial funds, leverage in terms of resources. You know, we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, We counted on one of our recent developments, not a a massive development. Um, We counted the the amount of people, years of experience in our professional team. And it was about 2,000 years of experience. That's the level of of, um, engagement. And you can have that too, as well. And we regularly introduce our mentees to our, our, our teams. And in fact, they're, they're at our, our mastermind sessions as well because they like to come and help and you know, get back to, to the community. But let's just focus on you know, wealth of assets just for a moment. We've said about being crystal clear on your strategy, hugely important. But let's look at the, the wealth type. And you know, we're, there's... Uh, four children in each of our families, you know, we're both been married for 20 odd years and uh, wealth comes in very different forms. And we do focus on all of these. This isn't just about making money. I know this is about cash flow, but just want to set that context of there's economic wealth, there's material wealth, there's our physical health, you know, spirituality, social relationships, you know, knowledge, the wealth of knowledge and wealth of contacts and connections, and that intergenerational wealth as well, that transition, the baton change um, that we spoke about. And that's across multiple asset classes as well. You know, they're pretty well known as the, the seven core asset types. And if you think back to the previous slide, are we in business? Are we in property? Have we got a pension? Have we got intellectual property rights? Have we got investments where we invest in businesses? We don't necessarily do stocks and shares, but we invest in businesses and have a, 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 an investing share in businesses. Do we do joint ventures? Yes. And do we have our uh, personal private residency equity? 
So there's a number of assets there. I guess you could put cash on there as well um, for cash reserves. I mean, that's the the, the hedge and the, the security there. Um, so again, things that, and hopefully you're you're recording this session or um, or taking screenshots, but you can bring together your strategy that's right for you. And and if you're struggling, you know, reach out and we'll we'll help you. That's what we do. And when you get that, you get that multiple compounding in your pension. Tax efficiency stays in the economy. We call it our circular economy. We don't want any. Nigel mentioned the key, the L word earlier on, not leverage, but leakage. We don't want leakage out of that circular economy. You know, if we're not paying taxes, well, rather than pay taxes, we're putting in pension contributions, maybe keeping it in, and that feeds back through. We can reuse that, invest those funds. Nigel, you mentioned uh, a buy to lets here, and yeah, we we we've got a whole stack of buy to lets, and whilst we do buy the buy to lets, but you know, on scale, we create buy-to-lets. And that's something, I mean, you've done that for, for 22 years and we've increased the scale with some of the larger commercial conversions, but we'll so still acquire the, the single buy-to-lets from time to time. Yeah, and, and I think it's, you know, what we what we really need to do is, is add value. That's the main thing, you know, adding value in whatever we do. And, you know, to buy a, to buy a three-bedroom property and... Um, you know, to spend some money on a, a complete refurb, um, you're adding value, and that that property ultimately will, will will be worth a different number. You know, once you've finished, and hopefully in excess of the money you've put into it, so that's adding value. But you know, if you if you move that strategy on to maybe a commercial conversion, you know, where you're 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 changing something that isn't residential into residential. What happens with that scenario is you end up with the same uh, output. So we, we end up with it residential on the output. But the, the amount of money and effort that you put in, you know, to do that conversion becomes almost from a value per perspective, becomes exponential in terms of the output. So you start to start to drive a lot more value in, in that situation. So, you know, something... A commercial type property it could be an office, it could be a shop, it could be maybe a nursing home, or it could be you know whatever it, whatever it is. Converting into residential, you're driving a lot more value than the effort and the money that you're actually putting in, and it probably takes it to the other end of the scale, Mark, where you've you know if you could buy a plot of land, let's say you know a plot of land, an acre of land, you know we're we're just doing this actually as we speak, aren't we? We've you know we bought yeah. a plot a plot of land, we're planning permission. Uh, it's got planning permission for nine houses there um, and, a, and a business centre as well. And that just in terms of, you know, what it was, which was essentially a field, you know, okay, we've added the planning and that's taken a bit of time and money and, and effort. But injecting that value, you know, is just phenomenal. And we, we kind of know that if we're on a, a buy, refurbish and refinance strategy, that we accept, we hope we're going to get all of our money out after refinancing. But, you know, we I think we have to accept that from time to time we have to leave money in. As you go to the other end of the scale, so I've mentioned a green field to, to houses, there's a good chance, you know, at 75% loan to value, you can not only pay all the money you put in, but even potentially, you know, take a payday kind of approach. Mm, you know, yeah. we, we've seen you know this particular picture here you know we were 
we leveraged out at 50% loan to value, as an example. You know, so it it's it's really interesting, but I think fundamentally it all comes back to what we're producing is buy to let property. That's fundamental fundamentally what we do, Mark, isn't it? It's crucial, absolutely crucial. And uh, I know I know we're overrunning a little bit here, but uh, just just explain just quickly uh, the let to buy strategy and how that worked for you. <laughs> yes, yeah. So you know we we, we talk about. And when we when we're coaching people in terms of, you know, getting onto the ladder and you know building their portfolio and you know something to cover, you know their their income ultimately and and then beyond, you know we we look at um, uh, the assets that they've got and is there any way of repurposing those assets to something else? This particular buy to let strategy was actually quite close to home, Mark. This it's actually my um, two years ago. It was my my property. Um, so it's a is a property in Essex, um, uh, and it's a case study we use from time to time. But uh, we'd lived there for thirteen years. We just fancied a move, okay, and um, went on to right move on a Saturday morning, and something just by magic popped up, and it was just on the outskirts of the village that we lived in, and um, we were the first to view it, and we we drove down this this long driveway to get to this property, and I was kind of sold. <laughs> I was a bit, I was a bit sloppy on that day, I think, but I, I was, I, I was sold just getting to the front gate, you know. Uh, Annette was a little bit more cautious, but she wanted to have a look around and what have you. But we, we just loved it. We loved it, and uh, I think I kind of gave it away to the vendor <laughs> during the viewing. But nonetheless, anyway, we came back and we, um, we offered on this property, and there's a bit of argy bargy in negotiation, but we eventually got a yes, which was fantastic. And then it was like, ah. Right. So, how are we going to fund this property? And my um, uh, my my broker, my my residential broker, um, I get, kind of gave him the problem. Really, I sat down with him and I said, "Look, we we want to, you know, ideally, I don't want to sell my property. Um, I want to retain it in the portfolio, but I want to also buy this one. So, John, how are you going to do it for me? You know?" And he came up with this uh, solution, which was termed let to buy. We've all heard of buy to let, haven't we? But this is let to buy. So basically put in a buy to let mortgage on your on your current residence um, and at the same time taking out a residential mortgage on your new property. Um, one enables the other. So basically you can release your equity from one to drop into the other. There's a bit of a, a penalty in stamp duty as part of the, the transaction, but nonetheless. And um, yeah, so it was literally three months later, we ended up with two properties. One, which was our old residence, which we, we've we rented out ever since. And, and our new property that, you know, the old property enabled through this let to buy process. So it just shows you how you can do that. It goes one step further. And I just want to share this with you that the, the cash flow from the first property um, actually, you know, was, was so good that it was enough to cover my mortgage in my next property and also generate an income. So how, how that changes just overnight from being a, I've got to find, you know, into the thousands every month for a mortgage to actually I've now got double the amount of property. I've got cash flow generation in one that's serving the mortgage in another and actually making a small income. How did that How did that happen? <laughs> Genius. I, I could listen to that one all day. That's just, Brilliant, and the capital growth as well over recent oh. years is just multiple cherries on the cake. Brilliant. So if, if anybody wants to follow what we do, 
uh, Property Developers and Investors. That's the ECRA Academy Facebook group. It's also the LinkedIn group. And we've also got a podcast as well. We've got 60-odd episodes on the podcast. So Property Developers and Investors, because we are property developers and we are investors as well. Too often we enjoy the comfort of opinion without the discomfort of thought. John F. Kennedy. Far too many sound bites flying around. Okay, snapshots, opinion engineering, social media is uh, can be a, a real nightmare. Um, we have a community which is based on detail, rugged, thorough due diligence at every stage. It's considered and it's inspiring by its detail as well. And it leads people to the simplicity of a clear roadmap, clarity of vision moving forward. Love it. And there's Seb with his race engineer there asking some pretty tough questions in the good times, you know. They base their information on on data uh, and surround themselves with just great people. So economic equation, here's, here's ours in its very simple terms. And this is what you need to create if you haven't done already over Christmas. Create one that works for you. So it all starts with your first asset. And then, number one, you've got to get the structure right. You're not going to buy them in your own name. You're going to put it in a uh, typically a structure, limited company, LLP, uh, could be a trust, whatever. That, that structure, the asset in the structure, then generates asset cash flow. From that, you've then got tax efficiency. What do you do with that asset cash flow? If it remains as profit, you'll be taxed on it, a corporation tax. So what we do is we make contributions into our SaaS. Um, and that's those, those contributions. We've got four trustees in our SaaS. So four lots of 40,000, 160,000 could go in, but it starts with the first pound. It starts with that first pound. It's a philosophy. And we make pension contributions every month rather than have to cash shock the business at the end of the year. Every, every month put contributions in. In the same way, you can take dividends out of a business monthly. It doesn't have to be a, an annual habit. It could be, could be uh, monthly. So the tax goes in into our SAS pensions. If you don't know what SAS pensions are, small self-administered scheme, there's a, a book there. Go grab that one on, on Amazon, Property and SAS Secrets. That'll, uh, that'll give you a, an initial um, uh, you know, immersion into what it's about. So what can you do with a SAS pension? Well, you can buy commercial property. You can do third-party loans to other people. And then you can do something called a loan back, where you can be your own banking facility. And that loan back, you can loan back up to 50% of the net asset value of your pension, irrespective of your age. So this doesn't happen at 55 or when you retire or whatever language you want to use. We know people who've got a SAS in their late teens, early 20s, a SAS pension. It's a trust. So you could do a loan back. And the loan back, wait for it, about one and a quarter percent above base. So that's a minimum of about one and a half percent. So, you know, if you say two percent above base per annum, I don't think you're going to get any lower cost of commercial finance than that. So that comes back into the circular economy as a low cost of capital, and that drives scale and acceleration. 
and then we're putting additional assets in to create that, that scale. Very simple economic equation. Needs a bit of detail, needs a bit of thought, but I think a lot of you can reflect on that, take some of the, uh, the enhancements in that model and see if that works for you. Take that as inspiration. Don't try and copy it, but it might be right for you. But that's the, the philosophy there. If everyone is thinking alike, then somebody isn't thinking. If you're following, you're lazy, getting a bit slack. Nobody wants that. So surround yourself with people who challenge, who probe, and love that. We all want to, we want to change. It's constant evolution. It's very rarely revolution, although there are some events that might happen that you might have to kind of dig deep on uh, and change. Clause 24 a few years ago might be a, a very good example of that. But generally, it's, it's, it's evolution, tweaking. If you've got any comments, by the way, just a, a reminder in the Q&A box, and we're going to come to those a little bit later on. We're not going to be able to take questions uh, live, so uh, you can't raise your hand, I'm afraid. Uh, we, just, uh, we just haven't got the time for that, I'm afraid, uh, on this occasion. So your WAC rate, leverage. Reduce your WAC rate. WAC rate stands for Weighted Average Cost of Capital. So it's the, the, the average uh, cumulative cost base of your capital. So if you're in property, you've probably heard of WAC rate from your corporate career. Any, anybody involved in finance or banking or, or, or finance in any way in a company, reduce your WAC rate. This is about repurposing your skills all the time, remember. And uh, quite often we ignore the skills that we've spent a lifetime in, in business creating and then wanting to, to move them uh, uh, across. We, we forget they, they will uh, exist and be relevant, but they are. So generally, the, the areas of, of, of cost base, um, you'll have development finance. I mean, that could be 6, 7, 8, 9, 10% uh, per annum with, with fees. Private capital. Well, is that debt? Is it equity? Um, that's I particularly help people get confident uh, and mentor them to, to understand their e economic equation and have that investor language of compliance um, and a, a assurance. So I work with people to help them gain confidence, not to give them a fish, but to teach them how to fish so that they can raise all the private capital they require in the future to meet their strategy. And then, of course, we've got the SaaS loan back as well. The latest loan back we did was for about uh, a third of a million, took a first charge on a piece of land and um, cost us about 250 quid, Nigel, and we did it in less than two weeks. It was an absolute uh, pleasure of an experience, wasn't it? <laughs> and that, that 1.5% we pay our SaaS, well, we pay mm. to our SaaS. There's no leakage. Absolutely. Keeps in our circular economy. So there we go. Reduce your whack rate. That will help accelerate and fuel your ability to have um, low-cost capital and accelerate your, your journey and therefore accelerate your cash flow. This gives you an idea of some of the developments that we've done. Uh, just a few examples over, over the course of the last uh, six or seven years since we exited corporate life. We haven't included some of the huge power stations and data centers. I mean, they ran into the hundreds of millions 
uh, around the world. Um, but so many of those lessons in terms of risk management and due diligence, um, we've channeled into, into these types. But as Nigel said, we could put, you know, a couple of hundred um, single bitolets, you know, one-bed apartments, three-bed semis in there as well. And they give us just as much joy uh, and probably, you know, less heart rate uh, uh, blips as well um, than the, the larger projects. So, um, yeah, it gives you an idea. And in order to deploy that, you'll need access to private capital. Now, we've raised over 30 million of private capital in the last uh, six years, but you don't need to raise things like that. In fact, you might not even need to raise any private capital, depends on your personal circumstances. But for most people, as they start to scale, they need to start you know, walking that intrepid walk and, and understanding how to do that properly. Um, so we've got a lot of experience to bring to bear that uh, I'm sure we can help you with. And we've condensed those into just seven fairly simple steps to investability, just to give you a bit of a framework that you can then start working on and, and planning to prepare yourself. Um, first of all, as indeed with any business, you need to build an identity about marketing, what you stand for, your values. Um, then we need to get that identity out there. You know, that is marketing out there projection, advertising, whatever that looks like in terms of increasing profile. Don't, don't mix advertising with uh, raising funds, though. You'll get into trouble there um, with the FCA. But about increasing the profile, what you do, who you serve, uh, the type of products and assets that you create. Creating that, that brand of personal trust. Are you trustworthy? Do people know, like, and, and trust you? You don't, I'm guessing you probably don't need a thousand investors. Um, you probably might need four, six, eight, 10, 12 investors, depends on your scale of aspiration and the depth of the pockets of the investors and your particular model. But creating that, that, that resonance and personal trust is hugely important. Then the, the credibility of the business. So it starts with the individuals. Then it moves the next level of diligence but for any investor is in the business credibility, track record, um, you know, prior commitments. Do they say what they do? Are they accessible? Can you pick up the phone? Can you talk to them? Can you engage with them? Really important. Then it's the specific investment that you're offering. Is that is it debt? Is it equity? How long? What are the returns? Um, so we'd break that down and really look at what that economic equation looks like in terms of raising capital. Is it attractive to investors? Is it compliant to investors, particularly if the investors are SaaS trustees, as an example? Um, once the investment goes live and, and has been concluded, then communication. And we work tirelessly on communication. We're always improving it. We, we recognize we needed to improve recently. So we've put in place um, some enhanced systems to increase that communication. And all of our investors uh, are involved with our Earn and Learn program, with our Mastermind program as well, which is just fantastic. And many of them, whilst they may or may not be involved in property development, they would like to be involved in uh, improving their level of due diligence. Hence, they're involved on an earn and learn basis with our mastermind program. And then there's always that, that pause, pause for thought. 
you know, for, for review and then the consideration, would you like to, to go again? Um, and that's a really important, that review. It channels back experiences uh, and helps us improve, you know, that evolution. Nobody wants to be arrogant. Um, just be a sponge. One of the greatest um, skills in being in business is, is absolute humility. You can learn an awful lot by closing your mouth, opening your ears and really listening to quality feedback. So generating cash flow, it comes in various forms and you'll celebrate it when it comes in like, uh, like true champions. It's, it's wonderful. It can come in in, in salaries as, as we know. It could come in the form of dividends, expenses. Are expenses taxed? Okay. Salaries are. Dividends can be um, at certain levels for salary and dividends. Expenses, are they taxed? Very tax efficient. Again, it's about getting the cost in the right bucket, you know, out of your personal economy. Make sure, again, top tip, just like you have in maybe in your employment career, Put your expenses into your business religiously every month. If you don't put your expenses in, you know, they disappear forever. But if you put them in, they're registered as a liability, even if the company hasn't got the, uh, the cash to, to pay them just yet. So maybe they could attract a small interest rate. So rather than costs that you'll never get back, you've actually turned it into a small investment. Could be through investment returns, fee structures, you could bring the family in, you know, family members who are shareholders who have a £2,000 tax-free dividend allowance. Maybe, you know, when their kids reach the age of 16, maybe there's small duties employment there. Um, they've all got an £8,860 tax, uh, tax-free and uh, national insurance-free allowance there that could be, could be utilised if they can support the business. Any other annuity income streams that might exist. But here's the thing, and this is about thinking, planning, and considering timing. Um, you know, Nigel and I will consider when we open businesses how we might want to look at that recompense, and we suggest you do too. You know, if you open a company yesterday, you're not going to be getting dividends straight away. Dividends are a proportion of profits, a distribution of profits to the shareholders. Um, so you wouldn't be able to get dividends for, for some time until you've demonstrated the profitability of the company. So think of other ways that you could generate cash flow, and, and many of those are, are potentially on that list. What an absolutely cracking photo that one is. I, I must say, that's uh, amazing. Um, I think that's Alonso flying over the top of uh, Charles Leclerc, nearly taking his head off. Um, and uh, he wasn't a fan of the halo, funnily enough, uh, after that event, he, um, he couldn't speak highly enough of it. Um, so Peter Drucker, famous management consultant, entrepreneurs believe that profit is what matters most in a new enterprise, but profit is secondary. Cash flow matters most. And Nigel, in, in your Equa IDA, I mean, that's version 61 now, it's got embedded cash flow analysis, hasn't it? It has. It has. You've got to, you know, albeit you're casting the net into the future and you're trying to anticipate and you're trying to model and simulate, if you like, you know, what the cash flow will be. But that that model really goes down to the, the pound and the penny. Uh, anticipation on the, you know, the start of the month, the end of the month, the next month and so on and so forth. 
And it's what what it's looking for is really uh, impact. It's looking for, um, I, I guess, when it goes into the red. You know, we want to understand if there's any potential there, and if we need to maybe bring a little bit more of private capital in at the front end to avoid that happening. You know, it's really that starting with that end in mind is absolutely key, isn't it? And then and working all the way back to today to say, right, how much money do I need to actually navigate this this opportunity all the way through to the end, but very safely. And that's what you know, cash flow is all about. And uh, you know, cash flow into personal economy as well um, is important. We we spoke about the dashboard, but why not cast that into the future? You know, we we know what our our costs are every month. We generally know what our income is. There might be from time to time some you know, some exceptional items that drop into that income strategy. But, you know, to cast it into the future, even 12 months, you know, you can start to see, you know, how that pot can build up over that period of time. Or indeed, if you need to plug, you know, some more income in, etc. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you would like more inspiration, why not join our Facebook group, Property Developers and Investors, or visit our website, www.equaacademy.co.uk.